Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. We will get to our story in a moment, but first, I want to talk about our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for all of your support. Your support through these years have kept us coming back, and we could not afford to do this without you. Thanks to each and every one of you. Also, if you would like to become a Patreon member, head on over to patreon.com slash Ohio Mysteries. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Ohio Mysteries, and consider becoming a supporter for as little as a dollar. Another great way to help us is to share our podcast with your friends and family. Leave a fantastic review, and that's all we ask. So let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new Ohio mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us as always is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss, who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories for the Akron Beacon Journal. Hi, everybody. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Salem Witch Trials. And no, I'm not talking about Salem, Massachusetts. I'm talking about Salem, Ohio, in Columbiana County. And yes, as it turns out, our very own Salem had an incident that spanned 1893 and 1894, no less, long after the Puritans and their fears of witchcraft left its bloody mark on history. Now, no doubt you've heard of the Salem Witch Trials in Massachusetts, but let me refresh your memory before we bring this story to Ohio. It was 1692, and a group of adolescent girls decided to prank their little community of Puritans and act like they were possessed. They accused a servant named Tituba of bewitching them, and apparently Tituba thought she would be in less trouble if she confessed, but she also accused two other women of being witches. Well, this caused mass hysteria in Salem, where the community leaders quickly assembled a special court, started hauling people in, and by the time all was said and done, they had killed 14 women and six men. All of them hanged, except for one man, who they crushed to death by piling weights on his body. It didn't take long for authorities to admit this had been a ridiculous miscarriage of justice. The jurors publicly apologized, and the state legislature even exonerated those who had been executed by their neighbors. So, 
It's kind of shocking that the topic of witchcraft would come up more than 200 years later in the Ohio town that shared Salem's name. There was a big difference this time, though. Where the Massachusetts trial accused people of being witches, the Salem, Ohio incident was about punishing the accusers. Now, this incident involved the Hart Methodist Church, a small congregation of quiet Orthodox families founded in 1824 by Garrett Hart. He's buried in a small graveyard that marks the site where the church once stood, just south of the city in the township along Route 45. The church started out as a small log structure, and it was replaced in 1866 by a white frame building. And it flourished for more than 70 years until this little incident irrevocably divided the congregation. In May of 1893, a well-liked farmer and dairyman named Jacob Culp, who belonged to the church, asked the congregation to expel several members who had been spreading rumors that he was a practicing wizard. His accusers had told people their cows had failed to give milk because Culp had unleashed his occult power on them. They even went on to accuse him of being responsible for the deaths of two women and the illness of a third. Culp named several people responsible for the slander, including Mr. and Mrs. Norman Bleem, Howard and Fanny Hughes, and Fanny's sister, Sadie Loop. He also charged that Norman Bleem had procured weapons with malicious intent. Farmer Culp sought a lawyer's help first, hoping this sort of slander could be pursued in the courts. But the lawyer dissuaded him. So Culp turned to church authorities. The church first focused their efforts on Sadie Loop. They put together a court presided over by Reverend Smith of Alliance, with Reverend Kennedy of Columbiana serving as a prosecuting attorney. Sadie Loop had two ministers defending her, and her testimony included the revelation that she had consulted with a witch chaser named Dr. Hoff, who lived in Alliance and confirmed to her that Culp was a wizard. After a short, sharp trial... Sadie Loop was found guilty of spreading falsehoods and expelled from the church. But apparently, Sadie's fellow believers were not swayed by this. They continued to talk about Farmer Culp and his black arts. And so, in January of 1894, the rest of them were to face their day in church court. There are two very different published versions of what happened next. The first version appeared in the Salem Daily News on January 25, 1894, in an article headlined by one word, which Norman Bleem and Howard and Fanny Hughes were told by church elders to appear for their trial at 10 a.m. January 24th. This time, Reverend Kingsbury of Alliance was the judge, Reverend Kennedy of Columbiana was back as the prosecutor, and a Reverend Shipman said he had been assigned to assist the defense, 
though he had never met the Hughes and the Bleams, and doubted they knew he was even chosen to support them. But what do you do when you throw a trial and the defendants don't show up? Because that's what the Salem Daily News said happened, that none of the accused bothered to appear. Well, it is a church proceeding, not a criminal trial. So the confused church leaders spent some time discussing whether they had jurisdiction to do anything. In the end, they decided they'd move the matter to their next quarterly conference and spend the intervening months seeing if they could settle the issue amicably. Satisfied with this plan, they all sat down to a nice church dinner. But was the newspaper glossing over what really happened? Or had the church lied about the day's events? Because decades later, in July of 1978, an Ohio Historical Society newsletter called Echoes wrote about the incident and gave vivid detail about a trial and a verdict. Their story was titled, The Great Salem Witchcraft Trial of 1894. And here is what they said. The three defendants, Howard and Fanny Hughes and Norman Bleem, were charged with circulating false and malicious stories and of being disobedient to the laws of the church. A jury was chosen, including Dr. D. M. Bloom of New Waterford, Professor C. Davidson of Alliance, and George Jeffries and Gilbert Williamson of Letonia. About 25 curious folks watched from the gallery. During the morning hearing, the first charge was dropped, but not the violation of church rules. Then lunch hour came. The church ladies served everyone a nice dinner, and then in the afternoon, the prosecution put on its case. He called to the stand Homer Shelton, proprietor of Shelton's Grove Picnic Grounds, who testified that he had heard the defendants spreading tales about the farmer. He said Fanny Hughes and Sadie Loop had come to him and told him that Louise Burns of Salem had warned them a wizard was living near the Hart Church and that he was Jacob Culp. Louise Burns was well known in the area as an herb doctor, faith healer, and fortune teller. Mr. Shelton went on to say they accused Culp of the death of his own wife, the death of their mother, and that he had caused another sister to fall ill. They also said the farmer had hypnotized his neighbors in order to rob them and practiced black magic on animals, including causing the death of a horse that belonged to Norman Bleem. This trial lasted about four hours, after which the jury deliberated for 20 minutes, and the verdict to expel all three defendants from the church. What newspapers had called the witchcraft sensation was over. Or was it? Because after that trial, locals reported some curious phenomena that had them all worried. According to the Salem Daily News, that February, 
John Schmidt of North Georgetown reported seeing a glorious sign of God written in gold letters across the sky. Also, dozens of residents in Salem claimed to have seen a huge flaming cross in the western sky. Those less inclined to believe the supernatural were confident it was just some unusual cloud formations. In any event, the whole ordeal was more than the Heart Methodist Church could take. After nearly a year of being focused on witchcraft accusations, in an era that had long moved on from such silliness, they never fully recovered. Many members were shocked and embarrassed by the whole thing and left the church. The congregation finally disbanded. The 1866 building where this all took place outlasted the drama. In 1937, it was moved to Tea Garden Road and has been used as a single-family home for decades now. Also, we have a little more to tell you about that Louise Burns, the herb doctor and fortune teller that appeared to have started everything by telling the Loop sisters she knew of a wizard. In 1908, now that's 14 years after the church trials, Louise was in the news again, this time for exorcising children in her home on Maple Street. The story centered around a woman. She wouldn't give her name, but said she had immigrated from Amsterdam. And she had with her twin babies, just six months old. She was convinced the infants were possessed of devils. Someone told her about Louise Burns, and Louise agreed to undertake the job of banishing the demons. The mother talked to a reporter after the first treatment and said she was satisfied it had made a difference and that Dr. Burns had plans for several more treatments until all the unwelcome visitors living inside those tiny little bodies were gone. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to our website, ohiomysteries.com. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, share our podcasts everywhere. We are currently trying to reach our goal of being the number one podcast on KillerPodcasts.com, which we currently hold the second most listened podcast there. I know you can help us get there. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.